All right, you are now listening to the Yardbird Tuna Show, and I am your host, Tuna. Uh, on today's episode, uh, I get a little deep. You know, we uh, this one is in particular is called Unconditional Love, uh, where I discuss uh, just my experience with um, with that. You know, where I learned it from and and how I apply it to uh, my daily life, or at least I attempt to. You know, so. Uh, Sit back and enjoy, and uh, let's do this thing. Thanks for listening. Even if you were my food chain, I would go out of my way to attack you. If I were a lion for a I would slip out in the middle of the ocean and eat you. It's going to be the best fucking tuna you have ever fucking had. I grew up in a uh, broken household. Um, my mom had a lot of problems, you know. She struggled with addiction, and uh, it took her to some really dark places. Uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of repercussions to, you know, what occurred in her life, and therefore my father and my mother couldn't work things out. <clears throat> my father had to take custody of us due to uh, circumstances, and, um, you know, he tried to repair the best he could the damage that was done, like any decent moral man would, you know? So, uh, after a few years, my father tried to move on, you know? Um, my mother just continued to struggle for a little while there, and, uh, I will say this, uh, we won't discuss it today, but she is doing wonderfully, you know. She has turned her life 100% the fuck around, uh, and is, you know, like, if you met her today, you would not believe her fucking story. And, you know, so someday we are going to dive into that, and we will talk about that, but not today. Today, uh... I, I want to explain my relationship between me and my stepmother. And, <clears throat> you know, my father remarried a few years uh, after uh, my by him and my biological mother got a divorce. And uh, it, it was, you know, I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been for her to step into this fucking shitty situation. You know, like, uh, my father struggled bad enough, you know, with uh, having his own small business, this body shop, and, um, you know, he had two kids of his own, my stepmother had a child, um, and then they got together, and now there's all of us, all five of us together, you know, in a fucking house, trying to be a, a nuclear family, or the best we could, you know, and, uh, I gotta say, man, I gotta say that I was a piece of shit little kid, and, you know, most people would just sit back and just give excuses as to, you know, why was I like this, and, and these are the reasons, and I guess, I guess if I really fucking <laughs> was gonna do that, I guess I, I could, but, um, I'll just say this, I didn't like it. You know, 
As a little kid, I didn't like it. She wasn't my mom, you know. She was this new person stepping into my life, trying to control me, trying to fucking tell me what to do, and I didn't fucking like it. And, um, you know, I did what every fucking young dickhead kid does, is I rebelled. And the reason I'm saying all this is because I think I gave her the better part of fucking, like, I don't know, uh, I guess she probably, I think she married my dad when I was, like, fucking four. I went into the army at, like, 17, so I would say a good 13 fucking years of just me being a miserable shit of a fucking kid, you know, and just, uh, you know, being non-compliant, rebellious, fuck you, you know, <laughs> just, just, uh, a typical shithead kid, but, um, I gotta give it up to her, man. She was always there for me, no matter how much of a fucking asshole I was. And I was. I absolutely was. Uh, no matter what the excuse, I was a fucking asshole kid to her. And I didn't appreciate, really, until much later, how much that she was there for me. Like, how, what she was willing to deal with, you know? It's, there is something really remarkable to say about a person that steps into this fucked up, you know, like just completely fucked up situation and, and gives it their best and just treads water and deals with it and fucking deals with it day in and day out, problem after problem, just keeps on loving me unconditionally, you know? She always, she always loved me. She always cared. She always wanted the best for me. And I just fucking resisted as much as I could, just fucking endlessly, fuck you, I'm not doing that, that's stupid, you know, whatever, just, just fucking anything I could to rebel against it, and, um, you know, it wasn't until, honestly, I went into the military, and I was in a fucking foreign land all by myself, I got to Germany, and then from Germany, a few months later, I deployed to Kosovo, and, while I was in Kosovo, I was in a third world nation as a, I don't even think I was 19 yet. I think I might have been barely 18 years old, you know? I think I was 18 years old when I was in, in Kosovo. And um, here I am in this foreign fucking land, thousands and thousands of miles from my little fucking neighborhood. that the, the only little neighborhood I knew for fucking the better part of 17 fucking years. Delco. The, the fucking infamous Delco. I was just like every other Delco shithead fucking idiot kid, you know? I knew, I knew every fucking house and building up and down Chester Pike and McDade Boulevard, all the way up to Baltimore Pike and all the crossroads in between, from Chester to fucking Darby from fucking, you know, McDade or, uh, you know, like Baltimore Pike all the way down to the river, you know, that was Delco. I knew that. I knew the fucking Durs uh, Delaware shoreline and I knew the fucking Jersey shoreline, like every other shithead in Delaware County. That was, that was the whole fucking world as far as I knew. And yet here I am thousands of miles away. Everything has changed Life is still going on back there in fucking Delco, but I'm in this foreign fucking land, and I am lonely. I am fucking lonely, and I'm afraid, 
and I have a fucking rifle, and I'm supposed to defend myself? Not really. Kosovo was like a peacekeeping mission. Nobody was really trying to attack me. But I guess the job is the job, and if I did get attacked, I'm in the military, and I got a rifle, and if shit hits the fan, I guess I'm supposed to use this fucking thing. But, um... You know, I'm just trying to describe it so that maybe you can grasp what was going through my head, you know? We used to drive our fucking Humvees on these convoys through this fucking destroyed fucking nation. Americans just have no concept. You turn on your fucking TV and you watch some show, like some bullshit-ass soft fucking documentary that shows you, like, a little trash and some hungry fucking people with tattered clothes. But that's like... That's like nothing. That's like a, like a fucking... That's only like 5% of the truth. That's not like a, a pit full of fucking bodies that stink. Like the worst fucking dead animal that you could ever possibly smell in the middle of the summertime rotting next to the side of a fucking road. It was that times a thousand. You know? And just the just just looking at it, just to, to look at it and see that that's real fucking people. That was people that walked around and ate and breathed and lived and loved and had families and just tried to survive. You know, it was it was so fucking overwhelming, and I felt so small, and I felt alone. Because the only idea I understood about love, I took advantage of for so long that I suddenly had this grasp of, holy shit, holy shit, what you love, you treated like shit for 13 fucking years. And to bring it back to my stepmother, my stepmother wrote me a fucking letter every two fucking days like clockwork for seven fucking months while I was deployed there. She was the only one that did it. The only one. Not my father, not my biological mother, and I'm not saying that they don't love me, but I'm saying that that fucking woman, my stepmother, who I now refer to as mom, she put the work in. She put the work in. She showed. She showed everything that she could. She talked to me. She told me about everything. This is what's going on around here. This is what everybody's up to. You know, this is what dad's doing. You know, dad went fishing. Here's some pictures. Here's some pictures of your little brother fishing with your dad. Here, we went to the motorcycle races. There's some pictures of this. You know, I was so fucking alone. I was so fucking alone. And she did everything she could to make me feel like I was still a part of it. I was still a part of that family, you know. And, uh... That, that was like the deciding factor in my head when I realized like the great epiphany that here's a person that loves you unconditionally. Even as mature as I, or immature, I'm sorry, even as immature as I was at that time in my life, because I was, I was still a fucking little tiny kid and I had like a small amount of understanding that life just changed so drastically you know, from 17 years old until I would say about 29 when I got my shit together and stopped drinking and raising hell and eating fucking pills like goddamn Pac-Man. You know, that was such a growth period in my life. And um, 
that was probably one of the first major epiphanies, you know, is that you need to start appreciating the people that love you. And um, I didn't, of course, you know, it's easy to take love. It's even harder to give it to people, you know, and uh, I'd like to now tell you about the, the time when I learned a very valuable lesson, a very painful fucking lesson, and I've made it a very strict point to be a better friend than I, than maybe some people deserve. I don't fucking know. But um, after I came back from the military, um, <laughs> my buddies and I, growing up, um, we used to have this little group. We all skateboarded and rollerbladed together. You know, there was this young kid that always wanted to hang out with us, and he did. We, we used to bring him with us everywhere. He was, a, he was a good kid, but we he was the little kid. He was the runt of the litter. So, of course, we'd break his balls, yell at him, Joey, you're a fucking retard. Rah, rah, rah. You know, just fuck with him. But um, we didn't hate him. He just, he was the little kid, you know? So his name was Joey Shaftstall from Eddystone, Pennsylvania. And um, when I got out of the military, Joey reconnected with me. He was a little older now. <laughs> I think he... Uh, just graduated high school, I believe, and I think he was on his way to college. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm a little foggy. Forgive me. But uh, anyway, so I just got back from the military. I was in this phase of my life where I was going to the bar every fucking Friday and Saturday. And me and all my shithead friends that we all grew up together with. And that was our thing, man. We fucking raised hell. You know, uh, we drank. We drank more fucking alcohol than there there's water in the fucking Delaware River. You know, like like anything we could find. And then, of course, my buddies, they were just alcoholics, but they didn't know that I was munching down fucking Percocets and Ambien and Xanax and fucking Kalanapins and, uh, you know, in the mornings to wake the fuck up, I would eat some fucking Adderall. <laughs> Anything I could find in, in the pill form because I was terrified of street drugs. So, um, anyway, I diverted off the conversation. So, Joey kept saying, you know, hey, guys, I want to come hang out with you. And I used to say all the time that Joey fucking drove me nuts, you know. Joey had a bad habit of, like, annoying me because he would ask me car questions because he had this little piece of shit of Mitsubishi Eclipse that he wanted to soup up and make it faster and... You know, like, everybody was in this fucking Fast and the Furious phase with these little shitbox fucking Hondas and Mitsubishis, and they all wanted to be like, you know, like Paul Walker and Vin fucking Diesel and drive around and drift everywhere, and oh, this is fucking great. Little do you know, it's very expensive to drive your car like that, you idiots. So, um, anyway, Joey used to torture me. One particular Friday, I remember specifically... I got to my buddy's house. Joey called and talked to my buddy and was like, hey, I want to meet up with you guys. And it, me being the, the normal douchebag dickhead, I was like, fuck him. You know, fuck him. I'm tired of it. Every time I give him advice, he just blows me off. And then he has the nerve to call me back two seconds later and ask me more stupid fucking questions. And I just was tired of it. So I told him, fuck him. I really don't want to deal with him tonight. Just ignore the phone calls. When he calls, don't fucking answer it. I don't want to spend the night with him, okay? And, um, you know, 
So we went out and we raised hell like we always fucking did back then. And we drank and they all drank. And Joey didn't come out that weekend. And I never saw Joey. And uh, the next weekend, we get news that Joey tried heroin for the first time ever in his life, supposedly, and OD'd and died in his bedroom. His mother found him. <coughs> Excuse me. Joey OD'd and died because he tried heroin for the first time. Uh, this is a kid that was on his way to college to go play hockey, and uh, he wasn't a scumbag junkie, okay? He tried heroin because in our fucking neighborhood, there are a lot of junky scumbags that'll suggest stupid shit to kids, and they don't give a fuck if he's got potential or not. And uh, I'm not saying that to blame somebody else. Joey made his decision. But I'll say this. He wanted to be my friend. He wanted to come hang out with me. And I know now, at this particular moment in my life, I know that I'm not responsible for what happened to Joey. But there's always going to be that lingering thought in the back of my head. This lesson that I had to learn. It was vital to understand that when somebody wants to be your fucking friend, when somebody idolizes you, and, and Joey did idolize me. Joey did shit that I did. I skateboarded growing up. I was the leader of my little fucking pack of idiots. Joey wanted to be like me. I had a car. Joey found out that I was a car guy. Joey wanted to ask me a million questions about my car and be the typical annoying little kid that he always fucking was. And I took advantage of that, and I never re respected him or at least showed him that he was my friend. You know, I never gave that to him. I never... Uh, I wasn't a good friend to him. I wasn't. And it, and it fucking... It hurt. You know, that was a very painful fucking lesson. It hurt. And, uh, you know, I remember going to his funeral and all of our friends that we all grew up with together were all there and we're all making these promises to go find the guy that gave him the heroin and fucking beat the living shit out of him. Beat him so bad that he goes into a coma forever. We promised that to his mother, you know. But really, really, it was useless to do any of that. Even if I did find the kid that sold him the drugs... Joey made his decision, you know. Really, I should just learn that uh, to be a good friend. And when somebody asks you some, for some advice, try to give them good advice. And maybe they won't even ask you for advice. Maybe you'll just see them fucking up. And I don't know, man. I got friends now, same friends from back then, that I think that they have more potential than they fucking realize. But they don't talk to me because um, 
I guess uh, maybe they think that I'm on some like holier than thou, I'm better than them bullshit. But I'm really not. I'm really the same fucking guy that still cares about them. And I just want them to be doing better. I think that they're worth more, you know? I think that sitting on a fucking bar stool for the next 30 fucking years of your goddamn life is a waste of fucking talent. It's a waste of potential. You could be something great, but instead you're just sitting there like a big old sad pile of fucking shit. So forgive me for being fucking annoyed the fact that I want to help you, but you're too much of a lazy fucking cunt to get the fuck up and do something better with your life. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say anymore, you know? So, um... I feel like I talk about that a lot. I drop them little hints here and there on the, on the fucking episodes a lot because I'm passionate about this. I have this burning fucking thing inside of me, man. I got this fucking hunger, this, this fucking drive to be better, to, to push, to be different, to change things. You know, in this fucking neighborhood, what you do typically is you go get a fucking a, a job. You try to get a good paying job. If you're around here, maybe you'll work at Boeing. Maybe you'll uh, join one of the unions and, and get a decent union job with some good wages and a decent pension. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking guys that do that. But what I am knocking is if you're unhappy in your fucking life, no matter what your job is, no matter if you're just some jerk-off working in a fucking UPS store complaining every fucking day in and out on fucking Facebook... You know, oh my God, my life sucks. Your life sucks because you haven't fucking changed a goddamn thing. Nothing. You haven't changed a fucking thing. So that's the fucking answer I have for you. Now, if you want to change, if you want to make some big boy changes, my fucking number hasn't changed. That's the one thing that's good about not changing something. My fucking number hasn't changed. So, you let me know. You want to change something? You fucking contact me. I will give to you exactly what you're willing to put out. That's it. I don't know. I don't know. You think that I did all this on my own? This, uh, the quitting the drinking and the pills and the fucking raising hell, fucking my credit up, cheating people, stealing, lying my fucking ass off? You think I just stopped all that because, uh, well, fuck it. Today's the day. I'm just not going to do that no more. Fuck no. I had people that I had to fucking reach out to and humble myself to and, and ask for their help. Have them explain to me how to just slow my fucking ass down and stop being such a worthless piece of shit. That's it, man. That's all I've been doing all this fucking time for almost nine fucking years now. Just trying to calm down and think myself through my problems, you know? Instead of taking this immediate reaction of, I'm going to fuck some shit up right now because it'll make me feel better instantly. No. No, no, no. It, it might be painful, man. The, the correct answer might be the more painful fucking answer. But in the long run, I'm on a winning streak, baby. 
I'm on a fucking winning streak. This is the best I've ever felt in my whole cock-sucking life. This is the most shit that I've ever obtained. The best fucking job I've ever fucking had. And it just keeps getting better. I'm striving for goals. Bucket list goals that I've never even fucking imagined. I wrote it on a piece of paper fucking probably 15 years ago that this is something I want to try to do. And I never thought that, like, fuck it, someday I'm just going to wake up and try that shit. Someday my life is going to be so motherfucking good that I'm just going to stand the fuck up and say, today's the day, we're going to go buy a shitload of audio equipment because we got the money in the fucking bank, the bills are fucking paid, go buy that shit. I got a fucking great woman that fucking supports my stupid ass. Every fucking idiot decision I make, and it's not idiot, I'll tell you that. I say that as a joke, but the truth is, is everything I've done so far has been so thought the fuck out. And I've weighed my options so much that what what would I lose? Let me tell you right now, even with this bullshit that I'm attempting to do right here, so far, this little bit of money that I have invested in this fucking silly podcast... If it doesn't work out, if this thing doesn't go nowhere, and I do eventually decide to quit doing this, all right, I lost a couple thousand dollars. Where I'm at in my life today, that's nothing. That's fucking nothing. It really isn't. And I'm not saying that to be a fucking snob or talk shit on people that don't make that much money. I'm just saying that I went from being some asshole that sands the side of a fucking car... 40 hours a week and gets handed 10 bucks an hour cash at the end of the week. No benefits, no retirement plan, no fucking nothing. You're not even on the books. Nobody even knows you exist in the IRS, all right? You're a fucking nobody. You might as well be a goddamn illegal immigrant because your job is to just hold that sandpaper on the side of that fucking car and then when you're done that one, move on to the next one, asshole. That was it. That was my whole fucking life. And let me tell you what a mundane existence that was. I was miserable. There's no fucking surprise that I ate shitloads of fucking pills and drank my goddamn life away when I got the fuck out of that shop because it was just horrible. My fucking ambition and my my goals were not there. That's not what I wanted to do with myself. So... I don't know, man. I don't know. You know? My, my, my stepmother was the first lesson in unconditional love from a person that didn't have to give it to me. See what I mean? This is a person that could have just, um, you know, we could have shared space together. We, we could have lived in the house that her and my father purchased. We could just exist in this house together and fucking hate each other quietly. We could have done that. I think a lot of families do that. But she didn't do that. That's not what she did. Nowadays, when we talk, I call her mom. Not stepmom. Not Deb. That's, that's her name. And for the longest time, everybody accepted in our family that me and my sister will call her Deb. But we don't do that no more. Because of this unconditional love that she showed both of us. 
And then when Joey died, I learned that I was being a selfish cocksucker by not giving out some unconditional love. And that's it, man. That's what I do with my life nowadays. Now, I don't care if you hate my fucking guts. Maybe I hate your fucking guts. Maybe you drive me fucking crazy. There's definitely some people out there that do get under my fucking skin. But here's my promise. Even if I hate you, I hate every fucking thing that you say. I hate the way your fucking stupid face looks. No matter what, no matter what it is. If you call this fucking phone and you say, hey man, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do this shit no more and I need some fucking help. My promise, my promise to, I don't know, the whole fucking world, the higher power, the deity, the big guy in the sky, big baby Jesus, why Jesus? <laughs> whoever, whoever's listening, my promise is that I'll answer that fucking phone and wherever you're at in your life, I will help in any fucking way that I can. I've been listening to a lot of these motivational speakers and stuff like that, and uh, it's just got me in my head. I've been thinking about like my career. So I listened to this thing about, uh, I listened to somebody. Somebody was talking about building a wall, you know, not politically. We're not talking about politics right now. Somebody was just describing like, uh, how do you build a wall? You, you build a wall brick by brick, you know? And uh, right off the bat, I just thought, I think a wall is a bad analogy, you know? Why, why a wall? What do you need a wall for? What does a wall do, you know? A wall keeps you behind it or other people on the other side of it. A wall is fear. I don't want to build a fucking wall. I want to build a bridge, you know? In the last three years, I've been doing this crane thing, and uh, I've gotten to actually witness... I've got to watch step-by-step step, bridges being built by fucking humans, by working class, sweating, bleeding, hard fucking dudes and women and women. You know, it's, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Bridges are being built in this country, up and down the East Coast, all the way across the fucking nation, all the way around the fucking world are bridges being built. And how does a bridge get built? It gets built by piece by piece, you know, I'll tell you that. It takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, you know. Sometimes it doesn't always work out well. Sometimes the soil grade is, is less than what, uh, you know, they really wanted, you know. Um, I like this idea of a bridge, you know. I'm a little fascinated. Lately, I've been thinking about this real hard, you know, about this idea of uh, not a wall, but a bridge, you know. A bridge gets you from one point to another that was not previously you weren't capable of doing before, you know? Bridge is something beautiful. In a war, a bridge needs to be protected, you know? Why? Because it's so fucking important, you know? In a war, people are trying to knock walls down, you know? You're trying to conquer something, you knock the fucking wall down, you know? The bridge, the bridge gets you there, 
You know, the bridge is the more important fucking thing. We should be building bridges everywhere. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I, I think that it's, uh, it's something I need to think more about. And, um, and it's going to be about how I approach my life, you know, this podcasting, my comedy, uh, just figuring out who I am, you know, I sit here and I talk and, uh, little by little, I think a little more of me is, is getting, um, the puzzles being built, you know, the puzzle pieces are all kind of laying in place and I think it's all getting hashed out and, um, it's progress. At the end of the day, it's all about this this progress of uh, self-discovery, really. Me, sitting here, you know, doesn't even really, at this point, matter if anybody's fucking listening. It's, it's really, you know, in a selfish <laughs> kind of way, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck kind of man I want to be on this planet, you know? And, uh... I want to be a good, I want to be a good person, you know, that's what I want to be, I want to walk out the door, and I want everybody to understand that I will help them, you know, and, uh, I think that's all I can do, you know, just try to be a kind person, you know, try to give some of this unconditional love, you know, to, to even some of my friends that, uh, you know, maybe they're not willing to accept it right now, you know, to, to a stranger, you know, maybe, maybe I need to stop. There's a kid that fucking begs for change down on, uh, the fuck is that? Bartram, Bartram Ave headed, uh, yeah, Bartram and Island Ave, the cross, cross streets right there down in, uh, what the fuck neighborhood is that? Southwest, I guess, you know, I don't know, but, um, it's a kid right there that always begs for, uh, change, you know, and I've watched over the last three months, that kid has gotten, he just looks bad, you know, his hair's fucked up, he's got a beard now, it's all knotted up and matted and shit, his clothes look like shit, you know, I don't doubt he's probably living in a fucking tent about a hundred yards away, you know, like under one of the bridges or something, and, uh, maybe I should stop and talk to him, you know, maybe I should offer help, maybe I should try to get him some help, you know, if that's something he'd want to do, I mean, I wouldn't know because I haven't done that yet. And maybe that's the point. The point is, is I need to fucking step up and be a little more proactive in my community. You know? It's funny. Uh, there's a lot of shit that can be said about all these guys that do this motivational speaking stuff. You know, you could be very negative. Everybody can talk shit and say, oh, that guy's a fucking phony. He's only doing it for the money. He's only doing it for this or that. You know, I think so many people are not understanding the content. They're not really listening to the content because they're too busy worrying about something else. So what I'm getting at is if Tony Robbins or one of these other, you know, very famous, very wealthy motivational speakers has something to say, maybe it is good knowledge, maybe it is something worth listening to, you don't have to like the person, but you can listen to the message, maybe the message is something worth listening to, you know, if your fucking life ain't so goddamn great, you know, maybe somebody that you don't like has some good advice for you, you know, 
So, anyway, that's uh, that's all I got for you, man. I'm just going to keep on doing this, you know. I just, uh, I keep looking over at my little tiny girl sleeping in this little bouncy chair thing. And uh, I kind of keep reflecting on what my cousin said, you know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in my lifetime. Maybe I'll die early. And maybe this is all that my little girl will have to know about who I am. I don't know. You know, you just, you don't know. You always hear about people. I don't think that I'm dying. I don't think there's, I don't think I have any major illnesses, but it don't mean that shit can't just pop the fuck up, you know? And uh, if it does happen to occur, and this is all she has to go on, you know, who is my dad? I hope she's proud of this, you know? I hope that she understands that I said all of this straight out of my heart. There's no notes on a page. There's no fucking uh, script here. All of what I've said today is just who I am and who I want to be, you know? So. And that's unconditional love, man. That's what my definition of unconditional love is. So. This is Yardbird Tuna. This is the show, baby. This is what I do. Sometimes I make jokes. Sometimes I talk about real shit. I don't know. Fucking stay tuned. Stay tuned with the tuna. See you cocksuckers later. I love you. <laughs>